0: Good morning everybody, Pastor Paul here on this Thursday morning and we are right smack dab in the middle of our walk through the book of Exodus and if you've been with us up to this point and by the way even if you haven't all these are posted on the Four Oaks website FourOaksColoran.com you can you can uh, hey instead of like binging something on Netflix binge the devotionals um, anyway, we're, we're up to the 8th plague um, and remember the, the context here is that there is this high stakes duel between Yahweh, the God of the Israelites, versus the, the powerless impotent gods of the, the Egyptians and these plagues are meant to demonstrate God's all-surpassing power and authority um, to humble the Egyptians to bring them to a point of repentance we see that pharaoh is continually hardening his heart and now we're coming to the eighth plague the locust. now before we read this I, I was trying to think of a good way to 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 encapsulate what the egyptians probably experienced um during this during this plague because let's be honest locust doesn't sound nearly as terrible as um the the last plague of boils on the skin and those sorts of things but but think about it this way or or the hail remember we talked about the hail last time and how um it was so bad this tornadic activity that it would literally kill people i mean it was you know so so what's the big deal about locusts well i remember reading in high school a short story written back oh in the 1930s called linogen versus the ants and it was about this, this man who lived in South America, I think, um, and there was this colony of ants that was making its way across the countryside, and this wasn't just any colony of ants, like this little anthill you know, that, you, that you find in your backyard here in Florida. This, th- these were thousands upon thousands, if not millions, of ants that, that these colonies would span you know, miles across and miles wide and deep, and they would devour everything in their path, and um, animals, humans. Um, they were just this overwhelming march. And so, this short story is about um, what happened to Linogen and how he was trying to save his home and and himself. And anyway, it was it's it's a, it's a great short story. And I just thought this is a that's a good parallel to what what was happening here with the locusts. Okay, um, a very similar dynamic of this. Of these masses of not just nuisance but insects destroying eating everything in their path and so let's read about this eighth plague and let's pray and then talk about what we can learn from it then the Lord said to Moses this is Exodus 10 go into Pharaoh for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants that I may show these signs of mine among them and then that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them that you may know what i am that i am the lord to so Moses and aaron went into pharaoh and said to him thus says the lord the god of the hebrews how long will you refuse to humble yourself before me let my people go that they may serve me for if you refuse to let my people go behold tomorrow i will bring locusts into your country and they shall cover the face of the land so that no one can see the land and they shall eat what is left to you after the hail And they shall eat every tree of yours that grows in the field, and they shall fill your houses and the houses of all your servants and of all the Egyptians, as neither your fathers nor your grandfathers have seen, from the day they came on earth to this day. Then he turned and went out from Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh's servants said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go, that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not understand that Egypt is ruined? So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go, serve the Lord your God, but which ones are to go? And Moses says, We will go out with our young and our old. We will go out with our sons and daughters and with our flocks and herds, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. But he said to them, The Lord be with you if I ever let you and your little ones go. Look, you have some evil purpose in mind. No, go, the men among you, and serve the Lord, for that is what you are asking. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, so that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every plant in the land, all that the hell has left. So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. When it was morning, the east wind had brought the locusts. The locusts came up over all the land of Egypt and settled on the whole country of Egypt such a dense swarm of locusts as has never been before, nor ever will be again. They covered the face of the whole land, so that the land was darkened, and they ate all the plants in the land and all the fruit of the trees that the hell had left. Not a green thing remained, neither tree nor plant, of the field through all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh hastily called Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now, therefore, forgive my sin, please, only this once, and plead with the Lord your God only to remove this death from me. So he went out from Pharaoh and pleaded with the Lord. And the Lord turned the wind into a very strong west wind, which lifted the locusts and drove them into the Red Sea. Not a single locust was left in all the country of Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go. Lord, help us this morning um, to see what a plague of locusts 3,500 years ago um, shows us about you and what it teaches us um, to do in our worship and relationship to you. So we ask these things in your son's name. Amen. All right. So we talked about one theme through all this is that these plagues have all been an intensification one upon the other. And, and you see this with this plague, it's the, it's the eighth plague, that, that the seventh plague was the one of hail, which if you were out in it, it would kill you. The, the, the hell was so large and the thunder and the lightning and the peals of thunder, maybe tornadoes, we don't know. But what, those, what, those, what that previous plague served to do was to beat down and destroy um, crops, okay? ruin crops. Well, the way to think about the locust in Plague Eight is like this is like the knockout punch. This is like the the this sort of finishes off what the hail started, right? So you can imagine that the hail destroys most everything, but there's still remnants. There's still if you want food bad enough, you can go pick it up off the ground, right? The grain, the the trees, the fruit. Um, uh, the vegetables, all the things that were growing in Egypt, remember, which was quite fertile, was quite abundant and plentiful. But now what the hell didn't get, the locusts finish off. And the reason this is so stark, okay, is that now for the first time, Egypt is literally threatened with starvation, okay? They are literally refugees. There's literally a humanitarian crisis in their own, land they would have had nothing to eat they would have had no place to turn there would have been just an increased sense of, of desperate of desperation and so by irony of ironies remember egypt i mean israel first came to egypt in 400 years prior to this with um the, this famine in the backdrop and that it was egypt that had all the food and not the people of israel and they were having to come to egypt to get food well, now there's a complete reversal of this, right? The Egyptians have no food, and it's the Israelites living in the land of Goshen that are eating the fat of the land. And this is the way God is turning the tables to, to show um, that he, in fact, is sovereign, supreme, greater than any of the other gods of the Egyptians, and most importantly, that he can be trusted, followed, and worshipped by the Israelites. Now, there's two things I want to point out about this from this passage um, that, that, I, that I think are, are helpful and interesting. One um, has to do with um, how was it that God was carrying out these plagues? Okay, so, so in, by, by carrying them out, I mean, how did he make them happen? What was the process, uh, the natural process that, uh, that happened? Did these locusts just appear out of thin air? okay did this hail um well let me just start the 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 locusts appear out of thin air because it says here that lord caused this east wind to bring them in right and so all the commentaries are filled with you know what were the natural phenomena that that may have been a part of these things in fact there's a there's a pretty decent i don't know if it's a, a decent theory it's an interesting theory that that one of the things that was causing the first seven plagues was anthrax. Okay, that it infected the beasts and who died, and the flies and the frogs and the boils on the people's skin, and and I think those are interesting questions. Okay, but we don't want to get too caught up in them. Um, and, and 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 here's why. Oftentimes, what drives people to try to figure out what it, what was it in the natural world, created world that God used. To to accomplish his means um, a lot of it is based upon the assumption that really it's trying to factor God out of the equation right Um, it's it's trying to find a natural explanation for what only God can do and so we want to be be cautious about that at the same time we want to recognize that God uses means right natural means so for a long time this idea of the Big Bang was this you know the the boogeyman As it relates to the idea of whether God created or didn't create the universe, when in reality, um, when you think about that, that what the Big Bang teaches is that simply everything began from a singular, you know, a singularity, a single moment in time, and was created and came into being and exploded. Well, could God do that? Of course, He could do that. And is that the way He used? Was that the means that He used to create the universe? Maybe. I mean, who who knows, right? The point being okay, is that whether we're thinking about these things supernaturally or naturally, the point of the text is obvious. It's God who is behind everything. So in a sense, there's nothing in the creation that is not supernatural. Everything is under the control in the hand of God. And so whatever the nature of this east wind that God uses to bring the locusts, or is this anthrax that, that is causing uh, a lot of these plagues and problems. You know, did God create the universe from a, sing, a singularity, a, a single moment in time of matter? Um, whatever we want to say about the natural universe, um, the Christian always has a theistic worldview that says that God is behind in the middle of everything. Okay, there's nothing that happens in this physical universe apart from his care and sovereignty, even plagues, okay? Especially plagues, everything is supernatural so we can have those discussions um keeping in mind that god is always at the center and that no natural explanation factors out the need for god okay or the presence of god um, this is these are just means that god uses okay a second thing to draw your attention to is the idea of who was it that got to worship yahweh so, so, in the ancient Near East, it was very common for worship of deities to be restricted primarily or exclusively to men. And, um, and what we see in this passage is that when Pharaoh tells Moses, well, let your men go. Let your men go out into the wilderness and worship Yahweh. And Moses is adamant, no, the people, the women, the children, everybody has to come. It's, it's, a, it's a reminder that God works through a collective people that this is a sort of a precursor to the idea that in Christ there is neither male nor female doesn't mean there's not differences distinctions difference of roles what it means is that there is an equality of being okay of all made in the image of God and everyone men women and children having free access to God through Jesus Christ And one of the reasons that that God works in that sort of family communal unit, okay, he makes this really clear, um, go back in verse 10, when it says that, um, uh, I'm trying to find the exact right verse, right, look in verse 6, it says, as neither, well, see I'm on live TV and, and that's always a danger. He, Moses makes it really clear that one of the purposes, okay, in these, verse 2, um, in the showing of these signs is that they will be passed down from generation to generation. It says, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them that you may know that I am the Lord. But it's a reminder that part of our chief mission is... Is is passing the gospel torch to the next generation. Is teaching our children, teaching one another, teaching in the body of Christ, those that we're in community group with, those that we're in Bible study with, those that we have relationship with, that God works in the in the nuclear family, and in the church family to propagate a knowledge of Him that is to be passed down from generation to generation. And here we are, 3,500 years later, after the Exodus, or after the events of the book of Exodus, and we are still telling our children and our grandchildren about these things. What a power, what, what a demonstration of the power of the gospel, what a demonstration of the power of Christ to build his church, and uh, it reminds us that there's, there's never any aspect of creation around us that God and Jesus is not in the, in the middle of, of, and that we have an opportunity with whoever we are, wherever we are, to proclaim his glories and what is being revealed and accomplished and done around us. This is what Paul means when he says, in him we live, move, and have our our being. Okay, so just a couple lessons from um, the, the eighth plague. Tomorrow, we're going to look at the ninth plague, darkness and the final warning before the final plague and try to understand what that what that means and what moses is signaling to us what god is is impressing upon not just the egyptians but upon the israelites so hope to see you then lord thanks for this time lord um help us to today have wide open eyes to see your providential work and care and sovereignty in everything in all aspects of our lives. And, Lord, may we be quick to tell that to others. May we be quick to share that story. May we be quick to pass a knowledge of you to everyone around us. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, everybody, see you tomorrow.